0: Released in January 2018, This Agile Life, Episode 134, Ideas to Increase Your Agility in 2018. The software
1: industry transforms more and more every day.
0: Agile methods are quickly replacing traditional ones.
1: The question is, are you Agile enough? This
0: podcast is devoted to agile and lean software development. Time to welcome your agile coaches on this Agile Life. Hello, and welcome to this Agile Life, a podcast about what it's like to be agile in the real world. So, if you're a listener of this Agile Life, you know that my name is Jason Tice, and I'm, I want to say i um, happy New Year. This is our first episode of 2018, and um, you'll you'll just everyone's awareness. I do have some friends with me today, so. Don't worry, this is not Jason taking over the podcast for the new year. But unfortunately, I do have a confession because I still cannot release the podcast. So John is going to have to help us out behind the scenes here. Um, But what we are going to do is our first episode of 2018. And um, joining me today, I actually have some colleagues that I work with and I'd I'd like to invite them to um, introduce themselves. So who is our first uh, visitor here today?
1: Hi, I'm Don Peters. I am a a quality advocate uh, and agile coach
0: uh, working in the Denver area. Yes, I should mention, I'm in Denver this week, so I came to see some colleagues I work with. Um, this is my opportunity to talk about, hey, Craig, I wish you were here because, you know, it's a reminder that, um, yeah, Craig, I do have a real job. And um, actually, a cool thing is I do have a team, too. And so I'm actually happy to announce i got a team member of mine here today. And um, uh, his name is Mark. And Mark, why don't you introduce yourself to our to our
2: audience? Yes, I'm Mark Schrenard, uh and I'm a business innovation uh, consultant.
0: Yeah. And so, um, and so Mark is a, Mark is a great colleague of mine. And again, he's in the Denver area. As you know, um, some of us on this agile life were kind of out of St. Louis. And I'm actually Don, you were in St. Louis and now you've moved to Denver. So, but our idea today is, um, since it is the new year, we thought we'd be a little seasonal. And so, um, we thought we would talk about some pragmatic agile practices and ideas to help you, um, start the new year. And I, I believe we've got a few of these queued up. Or I'm going to run a clock here to make sure that after a few minutes we'll have a reminder to go on. So kind of a lean coffee. And maybe we'll just kick some ideas around here. And we hope you can take away from this if you're on a team. Maybe your your team's getting ready to start a new project or you're going to have an upcoming retro. Some of these ideas may give you some some ideas of what you could focus on to have a really great team. So, um, so Don, would you like to get us started with a, a practice or an idea for how to have your team get better for the new year?
1: Yeah, so uh, one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot lately is around retrospectives. And while I'm a fan of retrospectives, I wonder if uh, it, it causes a tendency for some teams or team members to kind of put off improvement till they're meeting. And if I'm thinking about things from kind of the lean side of the world, uh, you know, improvement's a continuous process that we that we all do every single day and every, every minute of every day that we're working. We're looking for ways to get a little better and a little faster.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree, Don. Actually, I, it's funny. I think we've – having unfortunately done over 100 episodes here, I can't remember when we've talked about this before – but it's it's this pattern where if anything it's it's dangerous um and it challenges the safety of the team to say yeah you know um you know something's wrong and you you, um, you know, say, hey, guess what? We know it's a problem. We're going to write it on a sticky note. We're going to go put it in the, the, the box over there that we're going to open in the retrospective. But the retrospective isn't for another week. So suppose the team's like doing two-week sprints in Scrum where they have a retro every two weeks. And so that's great. But you know what if something gets worse or what if it's the fact that you and I are having a conflict? And we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're basically enabling ourselves to let that fester for like two weeks potentially. And I agree with you that I think there's danger in that. Mark, what do you think? We just Mark's in the business innovation team, which is, um, for those that wonder what that is, otherwise known as Craig a—that's um, a, that's a, we're a collaborative strategy consulting practice, and so we get together, but we work a lot around Agile teams. We actually kind of sometimes do ideation to help Agile teams have vision goals and roadmap to get started, so we, we know a little bit about this, right, Mark? Absolutely
2: uh so yes i agree it makes sense i'm still trying to get this into my mind on what i could add uh, in terms of value uh, to that conversation but there's definitely the the putting it away and then waiting and then at some point maybe the pressure is gone and you'd never take care of it and it bites you back again well it's fine
0: mark i mark we were just having a, a meeting before we're doing this podcast over lunch here so this is our lunch stock and um we're drinking water and coffee, so lunch is really great here. Yeah, um, any it's so. Are we, hey, are we making money on this podcast, John Sextro? I don't think so. Um, for those marking you know, on to John and Nicker, there are other hosts on the podcast if you're wondering, or you're a new listener, you're wondering why I'm talking to people that aren't here. Um, Boys, we were just having a conversation. I remember I was working with a team once, and at their retro, they were like always talking about we need to fix our build. Like our build breaks, we don't know why because some, someone else had set it up for us. Mm. But the team actually then never followed through on that. So so I guess the challenge is the, the kind of the, the synergy out of this conversation is what is the mechanism for a team to be more proactive for, you know, addressing retrospective challenges? And then also to be, I want to say, hold themselves as a team accountable to address the ideas that come out of a retrospective. So what do people do? So people are listening to this right now and they're like, oh my gosh, yes, that's so true. What advice can we give?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I think, you know, it goes all the way back to the to the origins of lean practices and continuous improvement where you could pull the, pull the chain. Pull and the stop. line, yeah. Yeah, and say, hey, we have a problem here. Let's fix it right now before we put out any more bad product. Yeah. And and I think the same kind of thing applies to agile software development. Oh, the build's broken. Well, let's not talk about why it's broken in the retro. Let's go fix it now and get it to where it's not broken today.
0: Yeah, so the thing I pulled out another leg because I got my big wallet out, put it away. does it just me; it doesn't have any money in it. It just has a bunch of parking tickets and train tickets and stuff. But like a real, so real life practice. If you've never tried this, this something you want to check out. Um, We've never had it on a podcast, but uh, he gave a keynote um, at the Agile 2017 conference. So Josh Kariatsky, you know, one of the guys involved with Modern Agile, where one of the one of the core tenets of, of the Modern Agile movement is to make safety a prerequisite and so what i did pull out of my wallet here is something that um that that josh and others from industrial logic have promoted is idea what they call a stop work authority card this is where we have to laugh because i did pull out a card for an audio only podcast ha 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 but this uh, this i want to share is a team level activity if you've ever seen these we'll put it in the show notes to say um check out like stop work authority and it's an idea that everyone on the team has a card like this and it just says stop on it or you can make you can make make your own on a sticky note and at any point in time somebody can say hey there's a problem and because I'm a respected member of the team I think we need to stop what we're doing and address the problem now and what I'll share this this is intended to be a kind of a self-policing system because I mean Don if you pull your card and you stop the line and okay you know what maybe it wasn't a um, maybe it wasn't a real reason you guys can debrief that as a team and, and you'll learn. And so over, the, over time, a team will calibrate when it's appropriate to stop the line and address those problems because they're critical. And maybe when – you know what? Because of the nature of the problem, it's OK if it sits around until the retrospective. But unless we have a mechanism that you can, that you can exercise that, it's hard to make – it's hard to elicit change. So stop work. Stop work. Authority is um, is one practice you could try as a team. And again, it is a real thing because I pulled my card out and I have one. So you can go get your own if you're listening to us.
1: Yeah, yeah, Jason. I think that's great. Um, and if you guys don't have cards, I think simply call in a turnaround.
0: Can okay, really good point. Turnaround, turnaround.
1: Um, so that, you know that's a practice that on certain teams I've been on, and we've had five turnarounds a day, and people roll their eyes when someone calls another one at times, but. I've always gotten value out of the conversation that comes out of it. And I, you know, it it is an interruption to work, but people learn to filter over time within the context of the team what topics are appropriate for that and yeah. and what topics aren't. And you don't chastise people for calling turnaround for the wrong thing. You just say, hey, we'll we'll deal with that in some other mechanism. Right. But they learn as they go and you get a feel for it. Yeah.
0: And, and I, what I appreciate about, as you brought that up, because that's where I, I have to admit I've seen you know, it's like crying wolf. I've seen the teams where the team ethic is is poorly defined to where you know someone gets the, they become they become oh that's the person that always complains you know and and what I would say is you know if that's real life for you as a member of a team that's a symptom of a bigger problem because your team really should respect and welcome and again like they say in modern agile, make safety a prerequisite so you should be able to you know, say hey. I, I just want. I got a question, and I. But it's. I think it's important. So I think we should talk about it as a team, and that should be a respected and welcomed team activity. And if it's not, there's um, there's other issues that you should talk about because that's something that as a team should do because a team ultimately should be held accountable for its own success. All right. So it's been almost eight minutes on this idea of transitioning to not allowing high priority issues to queue up for your retrospective. I think we're done with this one.
1: <laughs> uh, I, I would put a footnote on there. Oh, say, he
0: wants the last word. You want to be like Bill O'Reilly here. Listen I, to that.
1: I don't think it's only high-priority things. Oh, it's
0: if, anything. If okay. we're taking
1: that continuous improvement mindset and we can f- fix our processes in little ways every day, that that is... Kaizen—that is—I
0: get that—that
1: that is a lean practice that is widely adopted in a lot of worlds that I think we could benefit from in software.
0: Ooh, okay, okay. Uh, can I? Can, okay, I think that sets us into another topic. Okay. okay, and I'm going to propose. So this will be my contribution today. So Mark is still frantically saying, "Oh my gosh." I said I would do this podcast over lunch. Where's the door? He's freaking out over there. So my, here's my New Year's practice for agile teams. Um, and here's what I want to say. Okay, my, it's not, I don't know why we're looking at a blank whiteboard. I have a sticky note. I think a great thing for a team, so, so my practice is based upon my belief that sometimes the most impactful things a team can do do not involve writing code. And instead, they involve doing things to be a team. Okay? So, since it's the new year, and this is actually something that, that Mark was working on this week, so I'm gonna kinda call Mark out here a little bit, yeah. is as a new team, you know, maybe you had too much eggnog over the holidays, why not take a little bit of time and say, let's make sure we're clear on our kind of our vision as a, as a, as a team and our goals. So we all know where we're trying to get, where we're trying to get to in like the first part of the new year. And to me, this is, this is a, these are more, I want to say high level goals. So not like your sprint goals, you know, you're trying to get done or the stories in your backlog. This is kind of like the so what of what is this team, what's going to make our team be really cool, like for the next few months to get us all excited and fired up for the new year. And kind of my suggestion is if, you know, if you're a team and you've never gone through this exercise, it's kind of a fun way to kick the year off to say, hey, let's um, let's spend some time, you know, half day, a day, and, um, you know, get clarity on that. You know, maybe you do it as a team. Maybe you bring your, your product owner in and your customer. But you, you spend some time working as a team. And where I'm going to take a lot of words, Late, like this is what you said, Don, I think that's where you can talk about your process. Because the key thing that you're saying there is that the team – has clarity on what their process is. So they know when we need to pull the cord and, and we have a problem versus when we don't. And so I think, you know, maybe if you're going to do kind of like a team kickoff for the new year, part of that kickoff is focused again on what are the goals and what's going to make our project cool. But then also let's make sure we're clear on what our process and what our working agreements are. So there are no surprises. Now that's when yeah. you're supposed to respond to that and say so, that's so, the worst idea ever, Jason. Go away. No. I just want to write code, Don. That's what you're supposed to say. No.
1: No, I I, I agree with everything that you've said there. Um
0: Wonderful. I'm like Jeremy Clarkson. I could be on, on on the grand tour. It's all right. But but one key
1: piece I might add to that with a with kind of a yes and
0: Oh, you're doing that whole improv thing. <laughs> oh, okay. You it's, agilist. Is I I feel
1: like Defining the why, like, how do we fit into this? What's the purpose of our team? Mark mm-hmm. and I had a little conversation about this the other day. And and I feel like that gives people, that gives team members the ability to make better decisions and feel more a part of the organization and the world and everything as a whole. And and I think discussing in there, you know, what's our vision and goals, but what's our purpose? Why are we here? Yeah. What And what? From, from the overall vision for the business all the way down to, um, you know, why are we doing this particular story? I think the why behind it just empowers people a lot more and, and makes them feel a lot more engaged.
2: Okay. Yeah, so, so I will continue a little bit more on that. In my experience with teams, the teams that are really functioning well... They feel they feel they're bringing more than just the delivery of the product they're working on or uh, whatever. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, how does your product change the world? You know, what? How what, what do you change the world using the product as one channel to do that, as opposed to we're changing the world through the product only? Yeah, yeah, I
0: like that. Or kind of what I'm, what I'm, what you made me think of there is, hey, you're on this team. We're building this product. Hopefully, the product's going to change the world. But then, as you're a member of the team building this awesome product, that's going to change the world. How is it going to change you and make you better?
2: Yeah, and, but yeah. also, what's the contribution to the organization that the product exists in? Uh, because uh, you've seen uh, some some groups that. Suddenly the product doesn't go as, as it's supposed to go. The, the, the client is not wanting exactly what you want. So you feel you leave things behind. So as a team, it can be very demoralizing. But if you have a bigger picture that we're bringing a contribution, not just to this project, but to the organization and to ourselves. So some things the client may not take if you're in a consulting firm or... or yeah, yeah they may not. Well, or, or basically... So, as but, but you're still fulfilled by the process because you're still growing and expanding.
0: Yeah, and I think that that's a
2: key thing for,
0: um, you know, when we talk about the state of, I want to say development in IT and how um, whether we choose to acknowledge it or not, there's a pretty... In most organizations, there's a pretty big chasm between the true business... And then also, let's say, development. There's typically a pretty big gap there. Mm -hmm. And the key thing, I think, again, maybe another thing to work on in a new year as a a dev team or as a member of the dev team or really as anyone is being open to realizing that you may have an idea. But for various reasons that you may or may not understand and that you may or may not even agree with, your idea may not be – the best idea or be relevant for... And so, and so being open to feedback. Um, and it's unfortunate that there's that big chasm where a lot of times on the on the IT side, we don't really... We have a vague understanding of the business goals and what we're actually trying to do, which is sad. I mean, that's actually... That's why the innovation practice that Mark and I work in, that's why we exist, is to figure that out. Uh, but it's, it, it's important to be open to feedback, so...
2: And in that area is... As a, as a development team, maybe there are things that you see that the, the business side doesn't see as valuable yet. But it doesn't mean that you have to quit that. That can be part of some of the contribution that you're making in the growth of your organization separate to the product you're working on. Yeah. And, and then that would then come back later once you continue developing, being better at it uh, and learning more, then you can bring it back uh, to to either another project or the one you're working on. Yeah, I like the,
0: because you're kind of emphasizing not only do we want to, do we want to learn how to write great code and great tests, but we also want to kind of learn. Hey, you know like, here's a business theme. Like, Hey, here was kind of a theme. Cause I'll share one thing that we do. You know, one thing that I know is very uh, common activity that like people like Mark and I do in the innovation space is kind of talking to you, Don is, I mean, there's a huge trend of saying, let's not try to recreate the wheel here. If we've solved the problem one way, the first time, say in one industry, how do we apply that same business pattern in another industry? You know I mean? Everyone says, you know, you know, how do we do what Uber does so well for like transportation and say like do it in like retail, you know, that kind of stuff, you know. So I think a key thing as a team member is you should be yeah, kinda of looking around for ideas. So but I did coming back to the key kind of issue here that I brought up. So Don, I have a question for you. Because I think there's two extremes on this issue that I was wondering if since you're a little closer to like working on teams than than Mark and I are, you could answer for us. So what do you do if if you hear what um what we're kind of advocating for here and you're like, well, I'm on the team and I would really, I would really like, I really care about finding out about what the goals are and you're like the only person because you're the new team member that doesn't know about that and you don't really feel safe saying, hey, I'm, I'm, I don't know, I'm confused. Almost kind of go back to your pulling the line coming. What do you do? I mean, so if you're that person out there that, that feels that, how do you get clarity so you can be part of the team?
1: Yeah, uh, you know, that's a little bit of a tough scenario for me because I think I've been where I am long enough that I I feel comfortable asking those questions. So you feel being, trusted,
0: so yeah. So, but do you know? Because I think that's a real thing that there are people out there that are kind of they're just sitting there, they got no clue what to do, and then they and then if anything, Don, you walk in, it's very evident you know what's going on, and I don't have the trust myself to to ask because because I don't want to alienate myself in the group.
1: Yeah, I guess my hope is that there would be someone to talk to, a scrum master, an agile coach, uh, uh, someone in the chain that you feel like you've got enough trust with that you can go have a conversation and say, yeah. Yeah. I don't understand the context of all this. A product owner, you know, and and from my experience, those kinds of people welcome those questions yeah. because they don't get them often enough. Like, people, people are making decisions based on... Um, not enough information
0: coming from the business side. When- oh, the business side—those evil people. So, yeah. So basically, what you're saying is, go find an advocate, you know, and, right. and that way, and you maybe what I love your again the real advice you're giving to like say say I'm that new person. You know, it's the new year. I just got a new job. Find it. Find yourself an advocate on your team or even near your team that you trust, and then use them as a partner. So like the same way, you know, like in development, we talk about all the benefits of pair programming and, um, you know, we've, we've done who knows how many podcasts on that. This is where we're saying, guess what? Find a buddy and realize that yeah. that buddy will help you. So and there's nothing wrong with that. I know sometimes you say, oh, we're all introverted, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but that there's an important there's an important thing there to say, you know, do you have a partner you're working with? Do you have someone to be your advocate? And that triggered potentially another topic. Okay, in so my hold head. that because I got one. Can we do one more role play for you? We can do him? one more okay, role play. One more yeah. Don't forget your. Th- you want to write it down? No. Nope, okay, I got he's going to remember. One more role play. Okay. So here's the other. Here's the other role play. We'll just close that. Is um. Oh man, we got to go to that. We got to go to that road mapping session. I don't care about the road. I don't care about the goals. I just want to write code. So I'm advocating here that you should have this goal setting thing for your team and you know you got that you might be that developer you might know you have that developer your team that says i hate that crap what what is the answer there or what's the advice
1: yeah that that again is a difficult issue i think
0: um you know, you you hire for it to some extent. Okay, make sure, or you or you get the right people on the team. Okay, right. T- take hiring out of it. Okay, right. You're you're
1: looking for the right people who who want the context, and and maybe what you need to do is is coach them in to understanding why it's important to to have that context, to understand the business side because they're in there. <laughs> they're in there writing... Oh,
0: my goodness. Mark is, like, Mark is going crazy over here, so I did. Thank you. This has been... <laughs> this topic is worth it, so tell us the so, story. So
1: they're driving they're driving the direction the software is going, they need to understand that business side as well as anybody yeah. because they're making it.
0: Yeah, so, well or put this way, they're gonna make decisions in the code base that ultimately impact the business. I would hope they care about the business and they have incentive to
2: care about the business. So right.
0: Mark, what yeah. do you want to
2: add to this conversation? Well, so so it tabs back into the individual psychology. So people may not and on the surface, they may not care about the business. They, they Maybe they're more focused on wanting to code. However, if you go back to their personal motivation, they want to do a good job. They want to be able to bring their ability to innovate. And in order to do that, they need to understand the context in which they're operating. So if you take it from a personal perspective, instead of saying, oh, we have this project, you're on this team, you have to understand the business, so please do that. No, flip it around. For you to bring all the value that you can bring and all the talent that you have and all the vision that you have, you need to understand the context that you're operating in. So let's talk about the context you'll be operating in for for this development. Yeah. So so the practical uh, advice here is don't come at... The developer or the team members come from them and give them a space so that they can be better at what they're doing, and that that's going to be their motivation. Okay, so to since we want to get to Don's next issue,
0: um, so we close on that. So again, our free advice here: since you pay so much to listen to this podcast, wonderful advice. Start the new year by refreshing your team goals or the context, as Marcus said. And maybe also make sure that you have an advocate, you know, especially if you're a new person who can help advocate to, you know, get you involved and understand the team. So free advice for the new year. Okay, so we'll reset the clock here. Let me do one more of these and um, kind of a popcorn style (laughs) fun. Uh, So, so, uh, Don, you have another one, supposedly.
1: Yeah. So you mentioned
0: you as who me
1: or Mark? Jason?
0: Oh gosh, here it comes. Jason.
1: Jason mentioned pair programming, which we which we've done a whole bunch of podcasts on. Presumably,
0: um, you haven't lived. The, you haven't <laughs> been doing this agile life for. We've been doing this for five years now. Done kind of out and off. So we're we're not very predictable. Unfortunately, we we need to get better at that. So, but yeah, go on.
1: Yeah. So. Uh, You know, I think it's high time. We're discovering in the testing world that pair testing has huge advantages doing it you know, with a dev and a QA pair, doing it with two QAs. You get different perspectives. You learn how to use tools differently. And what I'd really like to see is our industry start getting away from, oh, this is in development on our Kanban board, and now we toss it over the wall to QA. It's almost a mini waterfall situation where we're pairing and, and taking that whole team approach and taking that next step toward – everyone feeling responsible for quality and contributing in in in
0: lots of different ways from different perspectives sure so can i ask you to better define pair testing like so what do you mean when you say that
1: so there are a number of ways you can approach it okay. um, you can you can do uh, i can't remember the exact term for it so you can do this style where y- you basically have someone at the keyboard and the, the driver is or, – or the no, it's navigator.
0: Called, it's called strong style. Strong style. Strong there style. you go. go. And that was, that so, was the word I was missing.
1: Yeah. So strong style pairing where the, the navigator is telling the driver what to do. The driver does not make any decisions. Yeah. And then you guys switch out. And you learn all kinds of new ways to interact with the application just by watching someone else do it in a way that you
0: wouldn't do it. Yeah, it's basically mob programming one other person. But that's the same as mob programming. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So the reason I was asking because, you know, the other thing that I see because what you're describing more at that level is what I would just say more, a team agrees to share its work. Mm -hmm. So we have the, the tests column on our board, you know, our Kanban board. And we have a team agreement that guess what? Anyone on the team, agnostic of your role, can work in that column and should work in that column. Now, so,
1: I'll take that a step further because I've worked on a couple trust of me,
0: teams. So, Don, Don, confession time: Have you ever seen a team where the QA, like the the QA step of the workflow, is a personal work queue?
1: Yes. Yes.
0: We all know that exists. Okay. So that is that is the practice we want to shift away from. Okay. So tell us more.
1: Yeah. So I've worked on a couple of teams now and gotten really good feedback on this practice. Unfortunately, they were fairly short-lived teams that we did not have a test or a QA column on our Kanban board. We The developers did their thing. They would call me over. I'd come sit down and we would test it. In the in development column, and then we were done. We would merge it, and it was yeah. So you for, you
0: forced the pairing by saying we're going to make sit with the QA person and review our code as part of our definition of done for development. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if I could say, post way, um, workflow, and actually Mark and I were just talking about process in a different context. Workflow and process, I think, is sometimes in Agile. We overuse it and we use it to our detriment because we use it as a way that we can delegate work and we delegate, we, we focus so much on delegating work to specific people or roles, we lose focus on the whole team approach.
1: Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I, I have tried a number of times, uh, sometimes successfully, sometimes not, to... Let's not start with our standard board we set up, which, you know, has backlog, you know, in development, in QA, all of that stuff. Let's just start with three columns. Let's start with the basic.
0: What? Like, like ready, doing, done? Yep. Or, oh, okay, cool.
1: Yeah, uh, let's start there. And if we need more, we can add more. But let's start as simple as possible and build
0: out from there. Uh, all of the uh, all of the Kanban people right now are screaming because they love to make these they're beautiful they're like these giant I mean we've, we've said you know actually we, a few of us work for a company out of St. Louis where I, I we've put it on Twitter before that we have we have the biggest physical Kanban board at least we did at one point in all of St. Louis it was, it was like 36 feet long it was huge it's like artwork but your point again workflow exists for a reason but you have to take a step back and say is my workflow has it become so granular and so rich? that it's detracting from collaboration. And I, so I really appreciate what you're saying. And,
1: and is the is the workflow that you set up so that you can assign it to people rather yes. than a, yes. assign it to the team? Yeah. And
0: so I, I got two real-life practices for this. You said one, which is pairing. But so people say, how do I do that? So number one, it is the new year. And if people that know me know I love seasons. I love, I think we... Seasons influence how we think, especially in, in Western culture. Um, the seasons are, do influence us, do influence Eastern culture, just their seasons are a little different, okay? So if you're looking for to try something for the new year, this is to me where, guess what? Try a mob programming experience. Because if you try... Mob programming, which is a, like Don said here it 's a lot of that strong style where there is one person that is telling it was really it's telling the uh, the driver what to do that 's called the navigator that kind of forced communication number one it promotes a lot of learning, but it also means that you 're sharing so guess what if we 're going to work as a team we 're going to mob when we get to testing the code to make sure it works guess what we 're going to do it together and if we 're going to you know again another mobbing best practice that I recommend is having a wickedly short mob timer, you know, for your mob cadence, like three minutes. Okay. Which is not a lot of time. So what that means is guess what? If I'm a developer and I don't know how to use our testing harness or our testing framework, more than likely when we start testing that story, if you're using a three minute, um, a three minute mob timer, you're going to have to go up and eventually become the navigator and tell the driver what to do. And so if you're not, what that whole thing does, that forces you to pay attention so if I'm that developer, oh, I don't need to learn how to test. That's what the testers do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If that's your attitude, does that person exist, Don?
1: Uh, yeah, that okay. person so, exists. Just, just
0: making sure. I mean, I've, I've run into that person a few times. Don't be afraid to call BS on me if you think I'm just making up a show over here for entertainment value. Okay, hashtag too much Tice. Um, you know, don't be afraid to do that. But So you have that person on your team that says, I don't want to learn how to test. I'm a developer. I am beyond the lowly craft of testing the software. Okay? If, if you do mob programming with a short mob timer, it's going to force to where you're going to have to get up there eventually and be the navigator, and you don't want to be the person that can't tell the driver what to do, right? So it's going to force you to learn. So again, so try some mob programming. If you're interested, we got a whole conference coming up in April 2018 up in, up in, well, up in the Boston area um, uh, for, to learn how to do mob programming organized by Woody Zool. We'll talk about that later in the picks. Um, and the other one that I was just going to say that's another practice for those that have a QA column... If you're using a workflow tool like you know, like Jira, version one, CA Agile, you could actually probably set up your workflow tool. This is a little, this is a little scary. But imagine you went into a retrospective and you could pull out of your Agile tool, show me everybody who, who helped with testing this week, and everybody who didn't help with testing. You know, like so whoever worked in the QA column? And just talk about it as a team. Now, that is probably good to single people out. So you got to think about safety. But it's also a way to to have a conversation that's backed by data about, you know, if we say we're going to work as a team, we say we're all going to test together. Can we hold ourselves accountable to work as a team as we say we're going to work as a team?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that sounds great. And, and I also want to encourage testers to not be afraid if, if there's a a pair that someone's out of for a while or something, plop into that seat next to that developer and say, Hey, I may not understand everything you're doing, but let's sit here and talk through this together. Especially if you're doing TDD, let, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's on us testers to get more technical We don't need to be able to write production code, but we need to be able to understand it and contribute and understand the unit tests All the way through to...
0: Be a whole team. Yeah, the the, As I call it, that was like two years ago for me. The forgotten role of the Agile team is the whole team, you know, because we've got to work together. Um, Remember when I used to do Agile workshops, which is something I don't do anymore um, since our innovation practice is a little different. Uh, That was, we would get to this, we actually had a game. We're like, can you name all the roles on the Agile team? And the one that everyone always forgot was... The whole team, you know, which is, I think, very, very impactful to say that we've defined a role, which, you know, a role is not a person. A role is a group, is a collection of work that the team needs to do together to be successful. I think it's the one we still forget about. And again, my theory, since I can't tell, I'm a little fired up about this, is we are overly focused on, you know, processes, which many times are well intended, but when we go to implement them, they end up driving over delegation of work to where the whole team falls apart. So so I again I I love what you said, Don. So can I gift you on here? Sure. So the free advice inspired by what Don said is if you have that beautiful giant Kanban board that's orchestrated in version one or Jira or whatever, turn it off for a week and just see what happens if you go back to a very simple workflow, you know, to do, doing, and done. And just see what, I I wish someone would do that and like contact us on Twitter and like tell us they did that. Because I bet it, I bet what would happen going back to what you said, I bet the team would be able to be more be able to look at their process and probably come up with some ideas to improve their process and realize that having that very rigid process is actually holding them back and preventing them from innovating on the job. Because it's so complex. So someone please do that experiment. And um, for those those of you, I know where there are some teams I can go talk to. Maybe we'll try to encourage them to do that. Hey, John Sextro, I know what you're doing. You listening to that? You should make that happen. Sorry, calling my buddies out on the podcast. All right, so we've done three. Um, Mark, do you want to get on? Mark, you got any advice? A New Year's wish for random people who you have no idea who they are, but some of them do work out there, so be careful what you say. They do listen to this thing,
2: supposedly. Yeah, I'll, I'll just repeat the that, that one that I said before. really focus on helping the individual on the team see how they benefit from working on on the project as opposed to the other way around. Uh, It's too easy for any company or any project to come in and say you're hired for this project so you should work on the project. So
0: So how do I, okay, so I get that. That makes, again, for what we do, Mark, that makes a lot of sense, I get it. So how do I do that?
2: Do you have a conversation first with your advocate, so we can link to some of the things we talked about? So, no, as as a leader of the project, (laughs) or as a coach, or uh, as the delivery lead, whoever has the ability to bring the thing together and say, let's again, let's review the context and then help them say, how does it link to your goal? How do what do you want to gain out of this? And let's create, let's facilitate an alignment for that.
0: Okay. So what you're saying, and what I appreciate is you're very much um, things that you know we talk. Um, and I, I have to admit, again, our innovation practice is a little different. So, you, so as everyone can tell now, Mark can see it probably. Yes, Jason's kind of a hardcore agilist because <laughs> in my work persona, I don't always talk about hardcore agile anymore. But um, but like in the agile, like in the agile space, um, really there is a focus now to talk about agile as a mindset. Mm -hmm. And so what you're saying is to go ahead and make sure that as part of your mindset, you've established a connection to something that provides you with intrinsic motivation as a person and realizing that some people will be able to find that themselves. But others may need more of an advocate or a guide or a coach Mm -hmm. to help engage them in dialogue to help them find that connection to intrinsic motivation. And yes. if you don't have that, so if you go to work every day, you're like, life sucks because I don't, I don't know why I'm here. I don't, you know, I understand the company's making money because we're building this new mobile app. Great, but I don't know how that's going to help you. It's going to be very difficult for you to sustain your focus, and it's going to be very. I mean, plus my science has shown that's when mistakes happen.
2: You know, quality goes down. Yeah, and if you you think that your job is to write code and you're not inspired by what you're doing. Then the more you write code, the less inspired you are and the worse you get. So as each individual has the responsibility to raise a flag and say, look, I'm, it's not working for me anymore. Let's talk about it. Let's, let's rediscover and, and accept that it, it is possible. I, I think a lot of people think, oh, that's just a project. At some point, it's going to finish and they'll jump to the next one. But uh, – and some people that have been stuck on those kind of projects, it's easy for them to think it's it's never going to happen. I'm never going to be excited unless I have a shiny object project that everybody wants to be on, and that, that's not the yeah. solution.
1: Yeah, and, and you mentioned mentioned intrinsic motivation, and, you know, I immediately went to Daniel Pink and, and Drive and all of that. And, you know, he talks about autonomy, mastery, and purpose. I feel like purpose is the foundation of that though, because I've been on a lot of teams where I've had autonomy, and and you know had the the free reign to do what I want. But if I don't have a purpose for that, I'm less motivated to go after it. Or you know, I go learn this other thing. You might use it in six months. You know, I have I don't have a desire to master something that I might use down the road. Yeah. If I'm on a project and I understand why I'm doing it and what I need to do it, it's going to make me a lot more self-motivated than, than if I don't understand that purpose, I, I feel like it, it's that particular thing is demotivating for me in and of itself.
2: Yeah, but that's something that we did yesterday for for project here that I think uh, one thing that we have to be careful about. The purpose may exist for the project. It doesn't mean that the individuals on the team own it and believe in it. And so you cannot just push that purpose down. You have to pull it out of the people. You have to find common ground. And you have to pull it out. They have to be able to have a voice. They have to be able to debate or talk about it and expand each other and get to a point where they say, yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, and it's if we're really, again, going back to like the core values of Agile, you know, I'm talking about, again, individuals and interactions over processes and tools. You know, the evil process would be the smart product owner who knows everything will simply command the developers what to do. Rah! You know, and it's like, okay, who wants to be on that project? No. By the way, I will share, there's probably people that want to be on that project, okay? that just want to be told what to do. But that's really not what we're going for in the Agile space we want to be more collaborative because we realize that the best way to come up with the best ideas is to capitalize on the collective intelligence of everyone involved. Now, very quickly, that can turn into groupthink. So you need to have rules. And again, what you said, Mark, about context is very important to say, where is the boundary of where we start and where we stop? But to your point... Everyone should, should be able to make a contribution. Um, the one I was going to throw in here because I'm, I'm trying to be very, very focused on giving people things they can do. If you can't tell, I'm sorry. Um, here's a fascinating one that I think would be a neat experience. This is Again, this is out in the – if you're listening, try this. We would love to know if you did it. I'm going to try to figure out why to do this. Imagine you had a retrospective to go back to how Don started today. You have a retro. And in our retro today, here's what we're going to do we're going to define what intrinsic motivation is, which is stuff that motivates you that doesn't have tangible value. So, you know, things like, you know, learning on the job, that kind of stuff, you know, makes you feel good. You know, I got a great team. Those are intangible benefits. Versus extrinsic factors, okay? You know, I get paid a salary. I get um, I get a bonus like that kind of stuff, you know. So and what you're going to do in your retro as a team is you're actually going to everyone's going to individually say, what are the things about our project right now that motivate us to do our work, both in between the intrinsic factors and extrinsic, extrinsic factors and then share them as a team.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think the. I have actually done that exercise I did a few years ago with the team I was working with, because we were having some some motivation challenges, and it was fascinating because we saw that wow, some people were in it for some reasons, and some people had also were in it for other reasons, like especially the intangibles. And if you took a step back and you looked at the attitude of the people on the project, the people that had found a balance or that were more focused on intangible factors for motivation. Typically had a better attitude about the project because <laughs> they said, you know what, this project is going to help me and it's going to be a lot more fun because it's helping me in addition to paying my bills. And I understand that. So because mm-hmm. um, what we could see on that team is guess what? There are people that didn't they didn't have a personal connection like you're saying, Mark. Yeah. And they were the people that were kind of the people that we wished weren't on the team. And then what we actually do is we figure out how to figure out help them find their purpose.
2: Yeah, so and so and as add on to that practice. So if you start with the team being responsible for the well being of the members, and if you extend well being to being fulfilled in the process of working on the project, Well, the measure, intrinsic and extrinsic motivation, you can name them and and work on them. But at every second of uh, of the day of every individual, internally, you can know, am I excited right now? Am I feeling good about myself or anything less than that? And if it's anything less than that, it's a flag that as an individual in the team, I should be able to recognize and ask the question, what's missing? What do I need to do differently? And help each other as a team to say, if I see Don and Don looks depressed, I go see him and say, okay, what's what's going on? It can be f- for some personal reason, other things, but it can also be that I got in a rut and I don't see the big picture anymore and I forgot and I got frustrated. So, so you can have the commitment to helping each other to get out of those moves and keep the The internal motivation and happiness and fulfillment of the team on the positive side uh, in a proactive way as opposed to reactive way when the project starts to fall behind. I feel like we came full circle back to continuous
1: improvement. Wasn't
0: that funny? So so if we (laughs) recap where we've been to kind of close this out here, for fun I'll say guys, we do picks on this podcast so if you want to plug something, think about it while I recap us. So because we don't edit either. That would be like refactoring. We just do a live cut. So things we've learned today. So from Don, you should think about when does it make sense to pull the cord? And again, as a team, our best practice is to say teams can enable continuous improvement. So this be very careful of letting things queue up for the retro when the retrospective is not going to be for a week. Okay, so think about that. Um, both uh, Mark and I have talked about as the new year starts, maybe as a team, you should refresh and make sure you understand the goals and objectives and the working agreements and your process. You know, maybe you drank too much eggnog over the holidays. So having kind of, you know, call it a new year's kickoff as a team member. And as a team, don't be afraid to spend time being a team and realize that sometimes the most impactful time you spend as a team, you may not be writing code. You may actually be kind of reflecting on how we're doing and how are we working and what's the impact of this project so don't be afraid to spend some time there um if people say you shouldn't uh tell them to contact me i'd love to talk to them we'll bring them on the podcast our friend don here is, has made a challenge to the agile community to say we should pay we should do pair testing Okay, and, of course, you could do that by doing mob programming. So some way that, again, we integrate our testing activities so that we do them as part of a whole team. So, again, if, we, if you feel or you see that, oh, we're just kicking it over to the QA column and we're waiting for QA to test it, Don has challenged us to say, let's try to change that and do something different. And last but certainly not least, Mark has challenged us to say, as a member of the team, do you have do you have a personal impact that while you're working on this team, not only are you going to do some great work on the project, but you're going to do some things that help you improve yourself? So, happy New Year, everybody! Let's try to do some of that stuff. This week's hottest picks. This is a chance for you to plug something, okay? And uh, I would say, um, uh, anyone got anything they want to plug? A book, a nope. blog. You can plug yourself. Follow me on Twitter. No. Nope. Nothing. Oh, man. Okay. Well, I'll, boy. you Next would, time. You would know that I have some. Yeah, you and I should talk about self-awareness. That would be great. Um, I don't think we've ever – I think we still get to do our imposter syndrome episode too because I said we're going to do that also. Okay. So I have two. I'll plug two. Okay. I could plug a lot more. So one thing we talked about in this podcast was we talked about – Again, Mark talked about context. Okay, and the practice that came to mind that I wrote down, if you're looking for again, lots of activities and why context matters, go check out the book Lift Off by Diana Larson. There's actually two versions of it now. So there's an original version and a new version. But again, lift off by Oh, Diana Larson, and I know she had a sub-author who I don't remember off the top of my head, but again, Liftoff, in that book she talks about, again, why Agile chartering is so important because it is, and, and the book has some frameworks and has effectively a methodology that you can use to establish the context. And then also once you have the context, what is the mission of our project? And then you actually have – there's a method to do it. They call you write mission tests, which is a way you could say, are we on track? And that's effectively gets you into measuring. So again, check that out. Lift Off by Diana Larson. The other one that I'll put a plug, since I mentioned the three of us, we did get together here in Denver, Colorado this week. It is January 2018. Um, we got the Mile High Agile, because, you know, I always have to do a live event plug. So we got the Mile High Agile coverage coming up, which is actually in May. So May 2018. But um, so check that out. Um, I think Mark and I might go there and do something, but... We don't know yet, Uh, so we might. They might. They might let me in the door. Scary. Uh, But here's my challenge to everyone who's listened to us. Okay, it is submission season. Yes, everybody. Pretty much everyone's open right now. A few people have closed, but um, again, agile 2018 is open. I know my high agile's open. Um. What uh, Agile Games is in Boston? You guys know I do that every year. Um, we're open through the end of the month, and we're looking for content. So I will challenge you, especially if you listen to this podcast. Trust me, you could give a great conference session. So if you've never done it, you should think about giving it a shot this year. You know, so it's pretty easy. Some submissions are easier than others. You'll if you go and look around, you'll discover this. But if you've never done a conference submission, um, I'd say in here, in, we're in Colorado this guy, a um, uh, personal story not related to Agile. It's this guy named Warren Miller. He started an industry about ski movies. If you live in Colorado, you probably have seen a Warren Miller movie. And um, he had a buzz line used to his movies. You know, if you wait another year to go skiing, guess what? You'll only be another year older. So if you've been to a lot of Agile conferences... Maybe this is the year that you should think about doing a submission and try and, you know, go, go get on a program somewhere or go to an open space. Because you know what? Agile is growing. And what makes our community awesome is getting new people out in it and lots of people um, presenting. And so those of us that have done it a lot. We want to see some new people get involved. So so my challenge to y'all is go out and find a conference somewhere, put an idea in the submission submission bucket, and I hope we'll see you out and about at an Agile conference presenting something in 2018. And with that, everyone, I thank you for listening to our fun episode here of This Agile Life. Thank you, Don, for joining us.
1: Thank you. It's been a pleasure.
0: And thank you, Mark, for joining with us. Maybe we'll have to come back to... Come back to Denver and do this again. But with that, we urge you to all keep living this agile life.
1: This agile life is brought to you by a community of agile developers and coaches aspiring to spread the word about this groundbreaking approach to software development. Join us at
0: thisagilelifecom forward slash community.